uh, into chapter 3. And uh, just some heads up here. Normally, we dismiss our children for children's worship. But uh, this is uh, a Sunday. We're not going to do that. We're giving our, our teachers a break here these last couple, these last Sundays, so they can, a lot of them are traveling and those kind of things. And, and thankfully, in some ways, I'm looking around, a lot of our young families with young kids are gone. Not that they're gone. I'm not thankful they're gone. Okay, don't hear that. But the majority of those, usually we, get, we, we would do this. We have this whole herd of kids, right, stand up and walk out. The, the, a lot of the herd is, must be traveling this weekend, this weekend. That was probably part of that. They knew a lot of them would be gone. So uh, there are, we do have some uh, um, bags that they put together. I don't know where those are for children. If your children want to color or um, I'm not sure all that's in those bags, okay? I don't think there's any like Nintendo or... Um, uh, Xbox 360 or whatever the latest is in there, but uh, uh, something to kind of help them keep occupied. Um, and also this morning, as you know, we're not, I'm not teaching through a book right now just because of, you know, Christmas and, uh, and Thanksgiving before that's very difficult to do that. Next week, actually, Jared will be preaching. What's your next week's topic? Next week's topic, do you know yet? You're still narrowing it down, okay. The Cross and Culture is the, the series, okay? And you want to make sure you're here for that, that Jared's been te- teaching through this series called Cross and Culture and how uh, the cross has something to say about every aspect and every um, uh, difficulty or good thing in our culture. Uh, the week after that, I begin teaching, going to begin teaching through the book of Habakkuk. All right? Everybody's thrilled about that. Everybody's favorite devotional book, right? It's a minor prophet, and I encourage you to be here because I think if, as we go through that book for about four weeks together, um, you, it will encourage you and equip you to be able to understand the other minor prophets, and because we're going to set it in its historical context, which is the only way you can actually study a book of the Bible, you will understand the whole Old Testament better if you understand the book of Habakkuk. I promise you that. If you'll be here, I promise that'll happen. I also want to, as I'm thinking about this, and um, so I don't forget, and I won't forget later, but I want to, I want to point out a couple of our, our missionaries here that we've been supporting from, I guess, the beginning of this church, Ronnie and Elizabeth. Uh, this is Ronnie and Elizabeth Gerard over here. They've got a couple, two of their four here. All right, their two oldest are out doing what the older ones do, right? 20 and 14-year-old, okay? And are you girls 13 and 12, 14 and 12, am I guessing, right? 13 and 11, oh, I gave you an extra year, all right? Well, you get an extra birthday today, okay? But Ryan and Elizabeth work with Family Life, and we've been, uh, and they're based out of uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Family Life's a great ministry that many of us have been recipients of. They've got a tremendous... Uh, John and I, I first came in contact with them. We went to a weekend to remember in St. Louis when, when I was on staff with the Fellowship Christian Athletes in Springfield, Illinois. They got great marriage retreats. They got great, um, uh, the, the, the great materials and help with adoption, great materials for Bible study, and just tons of stuff. They're just trying to help support the family and help us become all that all God wants to be as, fam- as family. So I encourage you afterward to say something to them. We're glad you all are here and uh, look forward to visiting with you all later. All right, so the rest of you, hope you're, you're already there in First Timothy, in your, or Second Timothy, I'm sorry, um, the end of chapter 3, and uh, I hope you, in some copy of God's Word, whether it be a, a, a book edition or an electronic edition, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But as a child, I remember um, hearing about the eight essential vitamins and minerals. How many of you all as a child remember hearing that? The eight essential vitamins and minerals, a few of you, okay? Yeah, most of us that, that are over a certain age remember that. A lot of the younger people didn't raise their hand. What in the world is the eight essential vitamins and minerals? Well, it was amazing. You heard it all over the place. I mean, cereals were promoting that they had the eight essential vitamins and minerals in them. So that made, made it would be a good cereal for your children, right? Now, I'm not sure 
uh, how in the world that Count Chocula, Fruity Pebbles, and Captain Crunch were able to promote that they had the eight vitamins and essential minerals in them. I don't think they did, but they sure tasted good. All right, but uh, but the reason that, that we heard about these eight essential vitamins and minerals because someone, I'm not sure who that someone is, you always have to be careful, well, someone said, right, and all of a sudden they're authority, but someone said maybe nutritionist, which would be more of an authority than me if it's a nutritionist, felt that it was essential, those vitamins and minerals were essential for us to be healthy as people. So they wanted to make sure that people were thinking about these eight essential vitamins and minerals that would help their bodies be as healthy as possible. And they were necessary, in other words, for our good health. And no doubt, there are things that are essential to us having good health. We would all agree with those, that there are some things. We may not agree with all eight essential vitamins and minerals, but there's other things that help us uh, function as, as we're designed to as far as our physical health. There are also things that are essential for us to have good spiritual health, and we would all agree with that. There are things that, that give us the ability to live healthy spiritual lives. And the things that are essential for spiritual growth are more profitable than things that are essential for physical growth. And Paul makes that clear when he does write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.8. I'll bring this up here for you. For bodily discipline is, of, is only of little profit. So don't think that bodily discipline is not of profit. It is of profit. But look what Paul says. But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And in other words, Paul is saying, Timothy, don't just live for this life. Live for the life that's eternal. And our bodies, although the, the, we're going to have bodies, we're going to be glorified bodies, I, I can't wait for that. All that we need to put in them here and all those kind of things that are essential, that they're not, not going to be meaningful later on. Not that we're going to eat, I'm not sure how that's all going to happen. It's not clear in Scripture. But he's saying, look at the thing that's profitable for the life to come, for eternal life. And this teaching is clear throughout the scripture uh, that, that godliness or spiritual health is profitable, more profitable than physical health. That, that, that truth is, is taught throughout the scripture. Yet, that most people who claim that they are Christians or followers of Christ do not believe that their spiritual health is more profitable than physical health. Now, why would I say that? That's a pretty bold statement that most people most people hear that. Most people who claim to be Christians or followers of Christ do not believe that spiritual health is more profitable from physical health. And you're saying, that's crazy. Okay. The most, most important of all these essentials in, in spiritual health or growing in godliness is Bible intake. It's reading the Bible. So let me just show you a, a, a few things that make me say that most people don't think that spiritual health is more important than physical health. How about this? This was taken from a survey, Lifeway Resources of Churchgoers slash professing, professing Christians. Uh, 19% of them said they read their Bible daily. 18% said, I rarely or never read my Bible. 25% said, I re read the Bible a few times per year, per, per week. 14% I read the Bible once a week. And 22% said, I read the Bible once, for, or, once or a few times a month. Now, God's Word is... I believe the scripture teaches is the most essential thing for us to have good spiritual health. Because from that flows our prayer life too. And, and our communion with God. I mean, how can we be spiritually healthy if we're not taking in the word of God? 
You can't be. That's the answer to the question. And yet, and this is this is from Lifeway, which is 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 used to be the Southern Baptist Sunday School Board. Now it's, it really serves the church as a whole. Um, uh, send materials to all kinds of churches, not just Baptist churches. They did this this survey and went to people who were sitting in the pews. They didn't go to people on the street. They went to people who were sitting in the pews on Sundays, and not just Baptist churches, but all types of churches, and did this survey. And this is what they came up with. Now do you see why I say that most people who are professing Christians slash Christ followers, that's what a Christian is, do not believe that spiritual health is more important than physical health. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if that's true, we have to say that. Because if you believe something, you act upon it. You can say you believe something all you want, but if you don't act upon it, you really don't believe it, right? And in some ways, we're practical atheists. When it comes to things like this. I'm not saying you are, but the Christians as a whole because of these true statistics. Yet in the same survey, this is even more puzzling, the very same survey discovered this statistic from the same group of people. 90% of them said, I desire to please and honor Jesus in all that I do. Let me go back. 90% said, I desire to honor and please Jesus in all that I do. Yet only 19% of them read the Bible daily. But 90% of them said, that, that's their desire. If that is your desire, if that is the desire of a Christ follower, yet you don't read your Bible daily, then you will fall far short of realizing your desire to honor and please Jesus in all that you do. It's just, it goes hand in hand. The truth is, if you want to honor Jesus in all that you do, the Word of God, the Bible, is essential to that process. You can't do it without it. Well, let's, let's look here um, at some passage of Scripture. And this is going to be a little different, too, because usually I just take one passage of Scripture and I teach through it. Uh, but I wanted to, to highlight some different things the Word of God uh, teaches on this subject. So I'm going to ask you to join me here as we look at some various passages. And we're going to discover three truths that point to the fact that, that God's Word is essential. You can't do without it. That's what I mean, essential. You can't do without the Word of God. The first passage of Scripture is what I had you turn to in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. All right, let me read verses 14 through 16 for us, and we'll look at some of the things that are contained here. You, however, Paul writing to Timothy, continue the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. But you know what? I'm going to come back to those in a second. So we'll just leave off at verse 15. So the first truth I want us to see from this passage is that God's word is essential for new birth. God's word is essential for new birth. Uh, notice that phrase, the sacred writings there in verse 15. It's a term used by Greek-speaking Jews referring to the Old Testament. That's the sacred writing. So... Genesis through Malachi, those 39 books of the Old Testament, that, that's what he's talking about, the sacred writings. Um, now notice what Paul says that these sacred writings or the Old Testament are able to do. He says they are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. The Old Testament? Yes. The Old Testament is able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. It contains the wisdom that, that, that we need, that anyone would need, just in the Old Testament, even without the New Testament. Just the Old Testament contains everything we need 
to know how we can be rightly related with God. How the sin problem in our life can be taken care of so we can be brought back into a right relationship with God. Just in the Old Testament. And you clearly see this, that this truth that it leads to new birth, that the Old Testament actually has the wisdom to lead to new birth. You clearly see it in John, in John 3 when Jesus is having an interaction with Nicodemus. And those of you here, when we talk through the book of John, you'll remember, hopefully, this interaction that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Even if you weren't here, most people know about this interaction Jesus had with Nicodemus in John 3. It's an amazing teaching. And he... he was speaking to Nicodemus, expecting Nicodemus to understand what the new birth was about. And the New Testament had not come into existence yet. He didn't have Matthew through Revelation. He's saying, based upon what you should know, as, remember, he was the teacher, says Nicodemus. He's the head teacher of the nation of Israel at that time. He was the smartest guy in the Old Testament. He says, based upon what's in the Old Testament, you should know about the new birth. And somehow he had missed it. Well, where, where, where would he know? Where, what are, what's the passage he would find out about this new birth? Well, in Ezekiel, we read this. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This is what Nicodemus should have known. This is talking about the new birth. This is not talking about keeping these, ex, these external laws and trying to earn your way to salvation. It, never t- it doesn't teach that anywhere in the Old Testament. People, and we, I've said this many times and said it recently, that people in the Old Testament were made right with God the very same way we're made right with God. And people in the New Testament are made right with God. They're made right with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in the Messiah, the one who would be the sin bearer for the world. That's how they're made right with God. Now, they looked forward to that coming of the Messiah. We look back to the Messiah who came. But still, their faith was in the one that was prophesied in Genesis 3.15 after the fall and the curse to Satan, saying, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He, all of a sudden, her seed became a he, personal pronoun singular he will bruise you or crush you on the head and in so doing you will bruise him on the heel that's speaking about the crucifixion where satan was crushed his head was crushed by jesus's death on the cross and yes it bruised him on the heel there's the cross from that promise and this is which is fulfilled i mean it's, it's filled full throughout the old testament they had an understanding god was going to take care of sin and it wouldn't be them doing certain works to get there they would need to put their faith in God's promise. Well, and, and this is explained, if you look there in 2 Timothy 3.15, there he, he says even, through, what does it say? And you'll know the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through the keeping of the law. Is that what it says in verse 15? You better look there. You better check me. Be a Berean, right? Examine the scriptures. What, did that, what It doesn't say through the keeping of the law. It says through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This is how people are made right with God. And, and Paul exhorting Timothy is saying, the Old Testament, these sacred writings can lead you to this faith which is in Christ Jesus. And the context of this verse, if we don't have time to go into everything here, also points to the New Testament being part of God's word, being part of the sacred writings that Paul would consider God's word. 
And the main point here I want us to see here is God's word is essential for new birth. You say, well, that's one passage of scripture. Well, yeah, that's one passage of scripture. How about this one? First Peter one twenty three, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. Peter, writing to these Christians who were scattered, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, all these places, um, he's writing to them. He's saying the way you were born again, the way you were made right, the way you were given new birth, is through the enduring word of God, that God's word was used to bring about new birth in your life. God's word is essential for new birth. And since his word is essential for new birth, why would we ever rely on anything else in our day to, to do ministry? Why would we rely on anything else but the word of God? Now, I'm not saying don't be excellent. I'm not saying don't have electricity. I'm not saying you can't use overheads. I'm not saying that you can't have a, 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 a slick brochure that explains the gospel. But it better contain the word of God. It must contain the word of God. The scripture teaches that anyone who does not place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be born again will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he teaches. And Paul teaches where that faith comes from. In Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So although food and, 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 and uh, soccer balls and, and cookouts and sports will help us in building relationships with others and it's okay to use those to build relationships with others the essential for new birth or something or, or someone coming to faith in Christ is the word of God not those things we can do without them and it's amazing how God uses things uses a word in situations we never would ever dream to bring people to yourself some of you have been here before I've shared this before but a good buddy of mine named Scott Hansen if you get the NFL Red Zone, he's the host of the NFL Red Zone. If you like that show, it's a good show, all right, because my buddy is the host on it, all right? Well, back when he first came to know the Lord in Springfield, Illinois, through the Ministry of Fellowship Christian Athletes, which I was the director of, he and I started meeting on a weekly basis. He had more questions you could ever think of. And we'd usually meet at Olive Garden because the soup and salad was all you could eat. And it was cheap, all right? So we would get this soup and salad, and we'd be eating. And so this one time, he's asking him all these questions. Behind him is this other table. Behind us is this other table, and it's like one or one thirty. It's a late lunch, and a lot, a lot, a lot of people are there. But there's this bus boy over there, and he's cleaning up, and he's cleaning up, and we're talking. And he's cleaning up, and there's only like two people there. And I'm thinking, this is the slowest bus boy I've ever seen in my life. What's wrong with this guy? I mean, he must be getting paid by the hour, all right? And and it, or, or, or like a long, long hour. I don't know. But he just was taking forever. And finally, he comes over to our table and stands right here. And I'm sitting here, and, and Scott's sitting there. And he says, yeah, I always wondered how you could, you know, incorporate God and sports. And Scott looked at me. I looked at him. Oh, yeah, let's tell him. All right, and, and all of a sudden, got to share the gospel with this young man. He gave his life to Christ and started serving the Lord. Went back to college. He was a college baseball player. Went back to Florida. And serve the Lord while he was playing college baseball. This is amazing. But the Lord, and I wasn't talking to him. And I didn't have a PowerPoint. I didn't have a fancy brochure or anything. And the Lord used his word to drop in that guy's life. And changed him forever. Praise God. Well, I ask you this question. Who are you sharing the word of God with? So that God will use his word to bring about new birth in their life. 
Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. It's got to come from his word. Well, the, the second truth I want us to see this morning that points to the fact that God's word is essential is God's word is essential to being controlled by the spirit. God's word is essential to being controlled by the spirit. When someone is controlled by the spirit, then they will honor Jesus with their thoughts and actions. That's, that's, the, that's the evidence of someone who's controlled by the spirit. We're going to see this from two passages of scripture. Uh, the first one, uh, just stay there because we're going to come back to Second Timothy, but I'll show you this. In Ephesians 5.18 it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation or debauchery or just out of control living. That's what that means. But be filled with the Spirit. And this actually is in the present tense. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. People ask, do you believe in the second blessing? I said, you bet in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth blessing too. They're being filled by the Spirit because it's an ongoing daily thing that we are being filled with the Spirit. So he says, keep being filled with the Spirit, being controlled. Well, how do we know it means controlled? Well, he uses this illustration of being drunk with wine. So, so who's in control if you're drunk? The alcohol or you? Alcohol. Good. If you didn't know that, that's what who's in control, all right? The alcohol, all right? It's in control. And he's saying, don't be controlled by alcohol. Instead, be controlled or be filled with the Spirit. Right? And now, if you can look further down that passage here and see what's the evidence or the fruit that comes from or the results that come from those who are controlled or filled or led by the Spirit. Here we find in verse 19 through 20, that speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart in the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. These are, these are things that are evidence that the whole, you're being controlled by the Holy Spirit, that he's in control. And, and it says be subject, the last one is to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And then the rest of the chapter, into the first part of chapter 6, begins to explain what's that look like. It talks about husband and wife relationships. It talks about parent-child relationships. It talks about employee-employer relationships. And the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is that there's harmony, there's peace, there's love, there's submission, there's, 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 there's working together for the glory of God. These are evidences of, of those who are filled by the Spirit. Now look with me another passage in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with thankfulness in your hearts to, to the Lord. Now notice that phrase, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. To let the word of Christ richly dwell. Or our, our theme for the year when our Bible, Bible reading is abide together. To abide, to live in you, to take up residence in you. Let the word of God do that. Now look at the, look at the evidence that the word of God is doing that. Is that familiar? All wisdom, teaching one another, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, thing, making melody in your heart. Let's just go back and look. Spiritual songs, singing, making melody on your heart, always giving thanks. It's a parallel passage. So if you look at, if you compare those two, those two phrases, being filled with the Spirit and let the Word of God, Christ richly dwell within you, you see that the way in which we are filled or controlled or led by the Spirit is to allow the Word of Christ to richly dwell within us. They're parallel. To be rich, the Word of God richly dwell within us, the Word of Christ richly dwell within us, and be filled with the Spirit. Both of them are commands. They're parallel. They mean the same thing. 
So if we're going to be controlled by the Spirit, we must let the Word of God richly dwell within us. We've got to take it in. And, and, and what happens is that this will lead to a, a life honoring Jesus with our thoughts, with our words, with our actions. And it leads to us fulfilling the purpose for which we were created. And Paul summarizes this in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. When we're, our lives are being controlled by the Spirit, which takes place when we are letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within us, when that takes place, then we glorify God, the very thing for which we were created to do. And when, we're fulfilled, when we fulfill the purpose for which we were created, we also realize our greatest joy and fulfillment in life. When we do what we're created to do, then there comes fulfillment. We're fulfilling the purpose for which God called us to do. And there's joy in that. John Piper puts it this way, and I, I can't think of a better way to say it, but God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we're satisfied with who God is and, and a desire to honor him and glorify him, when, we, when that begins to happen in our life, right, when we find that satisfaction, that's, then he's glorified, right? When we, he's all that we want. We want to glorify him. We want to honor him. And, and that's the desire, and we, we fulfill that desire, then God is glorified in our life. And this will only happen as we are being filled or controlled or led by the Spirit. And as we discover, the only way that's going to happen is that we must have the Word of God richly dwelling within us. So this is to make it real easy. This helps me remember I'm an old linebacker, so anything simple helps. Okay? Hit that guy. That helped, Coach. Thanks. All right? So here's the, here it is. In order to be Spirit-led, you must be Word-fed. In order to be Spirit-led, you must be Word-fed. You must be feeding on the Word of God. Are you feeding on the Word of God daily? It's essential to being controlled by the Spirit. Well, the third truth I want us to see this morning that points to the fact that God's Word is essential is God's Word is essential for life and growth. Now, we're going to spend most of our time back in 2 Timothy uh, 3, really verses 16 through 17. And I just want to draw your attention to two passages. I'm just going to read them. All right? I want to draw your attention to two passages of Scripture that speak to the fact that God's Word is essential for life and growth. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and its leaf does not weather, and in whatever he does he prospers. God's word is essential for life. Does that say life all over it? Look at the life. Streaming from the, the, the man who delights in the word of God. Read, how about this? Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. Of course, let me ask you a question. If you only could depend on the Old Testament to defeat Satan, how would you do? Jesus passed with flying colors because he just quoted the word of God. And look what he says in Matthew 4, 4, speaking to the enemy. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. But on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live, we live, we have life by what proceeds out of the mouth of God. As believers in Christ, this is how we live. This is how we know life, real life. I love a story of, you may have not heard of a guy named A.W. Tozier, but when he was um, uh, preaching in the Chicago area, a lady came back up to him afterward and said, you know, Mr. Tozier, Mr. Tozier, I wish you would get in the real world. And he said, man, the Bible world is the real world. And that's real life. 
that we find from his word. Now these two passages just scream with, with the, the fact that God's word is essential for life and growth. But now look back here in 2 Timothy 3.16. Notice the word here. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training righteousness, so the man of God may be equipped, adequately equipped for every good work. Now look at that word profitable. It means useful, helpful, beneficial, advantageous. It, it, it yields practical benefit in your life. And how is it profitable? How does it yield practical benefit in our life? Well, the rest of verse 16 spells it out. Look at the benefits of Scripture. The first practical benefit is described by the word teaching. See, it says profitable for teaching. It means instruction in the truth of God's, or, or in God. Some tra- translations you said sound doctrine, which just means doctrine means teaching. Paul addresses doctrine 15 times in the pastoral epistles. That's First, Second Timothy, and Titus. 15 times he addresses this. So it's obviously important. So the word of God yields a practical benefit in our life of teaching, understanding truths about God. The second practical benefit is that we find is in the word reproof or rebuke, depending on your translation. It means refuting error or rebuking sin. And in 1 Timothy 1.3, Timothy was told to reprove sound, false doctrine with sound doctrine. Wrong doctrine, teaching about God, um, teaching about God that's false, will lead to wrong living. Wrong doctrine, wrong teaching leads to sin. So we need to reprove that. We must teach what is truth. We have to rebuke those things. Uh, thirdly, the practical benefit, it says correction. means restoring something to an up, upright state. To, um, or in, in, an improvement. You bring an improvement to. So as the teaching of Scripture reproves or exposes our sin, the Scripture then restores or rebuilds us. It's, 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 it's similar to lifting weights. And, and it's about the time that everybody makes their New Year's resolution, right? I'm going to get in the gym more this year, right? So what happens is the first week you go in the gym, you can't walk after that if you haven't been working out. And what's happening is you're tearing down muscles and lactic acid is building up in your muscles and you have all this soreness. And then you quit, right? So first, don't go back there and try to work out like you were 19 years old if you're over 19 years old, okay? Some of you might be younger than that. But don't go back in there and try to think you can do that. Just go in there and take your time. But the, the point here is it tears down muscle before it can build up. And the word of God, when there's sin in our life, first it has to tear that down and take it out before it can build us up and make us who God wants us to be. So it's correction. Fourthly, the practical benefit we see is training in righteousness. And the word training can have the meaning of training up a child or training in general. All right, so th- this is a training that leads us in righteousness, thought, and speech. And behavior. I love what John Stott says here. He says the first pair, teaching and reproof, deal with belief. Okay, what we believe. And the second pair, correction and training, deal with action. So you got belief leads to action. Orthodoxy always leads to orthopraxy. And if it doesn't, your orthodoxy is wrong. I mean, the truth that you believe is wrong if it doesn't lead to action in your life. And that's what Paul was saying here to Timothy. So when we expose ourselves to this teaching for approving, correcting, training, and righteousness that the Word of God brings, we experience growth. We grow. And notice the result of the growth in verse 17. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. As we grow in maturity through God's Word, we're enabled and empowered to do every good work with which God, it says in Ephesians 2.10, has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're prepared to do those things. 
this is this is what this is what kills me. This is extreme. We do good works, all right, and that's what makes us right with God. And that's it. And here's the other extreme. Oh, I believe in Jesus, and that's what makes me right with God, and it doesn't impact my life at all. Hmm. That's funny. That's not what the New Testament teaches. Because you really believe and have placed your faith in Christ, the Word of God comes into you. The Word made flesh comes into you. The Spirit of Christ dwells in you and gives you desire to want to honor God. And then what comes from that is the good works. And that's exactly what Paul is reminding Timothy of here. It will change your life. The Word of God will change your life. And notice this is every good work. Not just some, but every good work. And we're reminded of this in 2 Peter 1.3. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through what? The true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Where do we find the true knowledge of him, speaking of Jesus, who called us by his own glory and excellence? We find it in the word of God. The scripture grows us sufficiently for every good work. And if you've grown or are growing to continue, in order to continue to grow in, in, in maturity, become like Jesus, then the word of God will be essential to that growth. You can't keep growing. You can't keep getting better in your workouts and growing in those if you just stop. You can't rely on, as a buddy of mine, Tommy Nelson, says, yesterday's manna. What happens? We know in the Old Testament, they, God provided manna. And, and if they kept some of it overnight, what would happen to it? It'd dry up and rot. You can't, we can't keep relying on yesterday's manna. We've got a new manna for every day to keep us going. And I'm not saying we can't remember and God didn't store those things in our heart. But we can't just stop. Okay, I've got it now. We're never going to get it completely. We've got to keep growing. So look again at 1 Peter uh, 2.2. It says, Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Notice that phrase, so that you may grow in respect to salvation. Remember that the term salvation is a broad term. This is real important. The term salvation is a broad term. There's justification, right? That's part of salvation and it means we've been saved from the penalty of sin all right then there's sanctification we are being saved from the power of sin and then there's glorification we will be saved from the very presence of sin so which one do you think this passage of scripture is talking about we grow in respect of salvation can you grow in justification being made right with god being declared not guilty you can't grow in that can you grow in some of the first we haven't experienced yet, but can you grow in glorification, being the presence of God? No. And being perfectly made new? No, you can't grow in that. But you can grow in respect to progressive sanctification. There is an aspect of sanctification that I have time to go into that is already done. But there's another aspect the New Testament talks about all over the place, and that's what it's talking about here, that we grow in respect of our salvation and grow in respect to our holiness and the, the words that we use, the, the things that we do. And this growth comes, it says, from the pure milk of the word. We don't make ourselves grow by gritting our teeth and trying harder. We take in the word of God, and God uses it to grow us. And when we take in his word, we begin to practically realize all that God intended for his children. That being that we become more and more like Jesus in our actions and our thoughts and our words to the glory of God. Growth as a Christian will not come apart from the word of God. Loving God more and walking in the joy of his commands will not come apart from the word of God. Husbands, if you're going to love your wives at Christ's love the church, 
It's not going to happen apart from the Word of God. Wives, if you're going to lovingly submit and honor your husband, like the Word says, it's not going to happen apart from the Word of God richly dwelling within you. Parents, children, employees, employers, if you're going to know the joy of walking in obedience to God in those areas of your life, it won't happen apart from the Word of God. We all know if we're going to grow and function properly physically, we must take in proper nutrition on a daily basis. We know that, don't we? I talked about this, I think, last week. We don't, we don't, I'm not going to eat this morning. I'll just pass. Now, there's a thing called fasting. It's a whole different thing. But we don't just say, I'm going to pass on eating today. I'll be just fine. Uh, we, we, had a, we had a little surprise guest coming to our house yesterday. A little dog. He's like, I don't, well, he made it that long now. And he's like, he's like part, this, picture this. He's like part chihuahua head and dachshund puppy body. It's a long chihuahua, I think is what it is. So this can, all you can see is his ribs. I mean, he's the skinniest little dog I've ever seen. They're little anyway. I mean, he's like super skinny. It was just sad. And, and that dog wasn't going to make it much longer if he didn't come to the house that has six kids in it. All right? They all wanted to feed him. All right? I mean, and that dog is already starting to look a little healthier. Right? But he wasn't going to survive. And we can't survive without the Word of God. We can't grow spiritually without the Word of God. And yet 19%, 19%, and, and I'm not saying that's the, the, the percentage here. I hope it's not. I hope it's better than that. But 19% of people who profess to know Christ or are Christ followers or churchgoers, only 19% of them read the Word of God daily. That means that, that, means that 81% of those who claim to be Christians are starving, are malnourished. And we wonder why we have all the problems we Every time I do counseling, whether there's major issues, whether it be just with one person, whether it's a couple, every time, I've never heard it once said, once said, I say, How, how's it going with you, your time in the Word of God? It's not going. They don't even have a time in the Word of God. All right, and I'm not saying that, that, that it's not just reading the Word, but really t- t- take it in there and letting it richly dwell within us. Every time. Something is, is hindering that. And I'm not saying somebody can't be reading their Bible. I mean, somebody, you're going to read your Bible and everything's going to be okay. Please don't hear me saying that at all. All right? It can happen. But usually there's a problem. There's a disconnect there between the Word of God. Somehow. Either not applying it, which is usually the case. If they're reading it, they're not applying it. Right? Or they're not reading it at all. There's, there's a disconnect. So we must have it, first of all. Yes, again, it doesn't guarantee because we first have to, by the Spirit of God in us, apply it to our life to make it work. So, but but it's, it's a guarantee if you're not in it, you're going to have problems. You're going to be dealing with sin and not being able to deal with it well. Well, how are we doing taking the Word of God daily? How, how are we doing it, 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 it taking what God has given us, what is essential for our growth? No word equals no growth. This is the way God designed it. And we truly believe that God's Word is essential for growth, then we will make it a priority like we do our meals. Don't we make them a priority? We make them a priority. I don't miss breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Or any of the food that goes in between. All right? I don't miss them. And I do whatever it takes to get God's word. Now, I, and I've used this, this, this illustration once before, but I tell you what, I, it, it's, it's tremendous. Um, when you think about someone who would do whatever, they make it a priority to get in the word of God because they understand without it they will, they will die. There's a man in Can- there was a man in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. His face was badly disfigured, and he lost his eyesight as well as both hands. 
he was just a new Christian, and one of his greatest disappointments was he could no longer read the Bible. Then he heard about a lady in England who read Braille with her lips. Hoping to do the same, he sent for some books of the Bible in Braille. Much to his dismay, however, he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been destroyed by the explosion. One day, as he brought one of the Braille pages to his lips, his tongue happened to touch a few of the raised characters, and he could feel them. Like a flash, he thought, I can read the Bible using my tongue. And he proceeded to read through the Bible time after time after time. That man truly understood that God's word is essential for growth. Do you? It's essential. Remember the statistics from earlier? 90% say, I desire to please and honor Jesus. I desire to please and honor Jesus in all that I do. Now consider what we've been reminded of, or maybe learned today, that God's word is essential for new birth. It's essential for being controlled by the Spirit, and it's essential for life and growth. In other words, if you do desire, if your desire is to please and honor the Lord in all, they, all that you do, then you've got to take in the word. You can't do it without. You won't do it without. But you can't do it without either. And you'll have a chance if you don't take it in. This morning, I want to challenge everyone here to join us, if, whether you're a part of Grace or not. We, we had a Bible reading program this year. We're calling it Abide Together. And what we're going to do is, starting January 1st, we're going to read six months of the New, the, 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 the New Testament. It's basically a chapter, sometimes two a day. Maybe ten minutes, probably five minutes a day of reading the Word of God. And we're going to read it and then Jared and I are putting together a reading plan to look at the, the highlight, the, the story of redemption from Genesis to Malachi in the Old Testament. You can't read the whole Old Testament in that same one, two chapters all the way through in six months. So we're going we're gonna to highlight that and pick out some key passages. We'll take us through the rest of the year. So we'll all be reading the same thing. Abide together. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within us together. So when I, when, when I see Wes out and Wes, hey Wes, how's it going? Hey, I was reading this morning in Matthew 12. That's funny, Brian. I was reading Matthew 12 this morning too. Well, man, what did you get out of that? And I was really convicted about this. I, I, can you pray for me, Wes? I mean, God really spoke to me from his word today. And he was, you bet. See what can happen? As we're meditating on the word of God together and encouraging each other to abide in the word together, then what happens is the word of God begins to richly dwell within us. It abides within us. And what happens when that happens? We're controlled by the spirit. Then all of a sudden our behavior... Our thoughts, our words, they change and they look more like Jesus. And then we fulfill the desire that we want. We want to please and honor Jesus. Why? Because we were created to do that, to glorify God. But we're going to have, uh, do we have those? We will. Okay, we're going to have, we're going to have uh, hard copies, but also if you go to our web page, gbctx.org, and click on, there's a, there's a banner there, and we're, when we get our new web page, it'll still be highlighted on. You can click on that, and it, takes, it has the reading right there for you. You have to look it up if you want to do that. And if you want to look up in your old Bible, oh, it's right there. There we are in Matthew chapter 7 today. Right there for you, gbctx.org. And we'll also have hard copies, too, if you want those as well, that you can read and we can abide together in the Word so that we might present that to people so that new birth might happen, so we might be controlled by the Holy Spirit, and so we might have life and growth to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we, we take it for granted so often. And yet, Lord, if we want to grow and be changed, we have to have the word of God. 
we've got to take it in. So Lord, I pray for all of us. Lord, I pray that you would give us all a burning desire. Lord, I can't give people a desire for your word. Only you can. So Lord, I pray that you would give me and every person here this morning, every person a part of Grace Bible Church, wherever they are, give them a burning desire for your word. So they may grow in respect to salvation. Lord, help us now as we respond in song to your word in Jesus' name.